Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Sunday Sessions. Well, that was quick. It set off before <laughs> uh, quite quickly. Anyway, uh, 8th of um, November 2020. Thank you for joining me for this week's uh, Sunday Sessions. And it's our weekly time of exploring nature-centered folklore, connecting to connecting this within your favorite sanctuary space. And luckily, the weather's quite nice. I'm out here in the uh, tree labyrinth in the center of the Willow Cairn here. So I trust you're in a lovely sanctuary space where you are. And using that to express your inspired visions from your sanctuary through your writing, poetry, art, craft, performance, problem solving, whatever your vocation is. Now, today's Sunday session is, uh, it was advertised as Suwan Gathering, but I've added on Suwan Gathering and Traditions. And the reason for those of you who were watching last Sunday, the sessions ended up carrying a different title. Um, it became the origins of Suwan and uh, Halloween. And it also became a longer session than usual hour and a half i think it was so thank you those of you who hung on for all that but i cut a lot of the content out it would have gone on for over two hours um so i've going to move some of it on to today and today's uh, will continue uh there's going to be quite a bit more on the traditions uh at this time but it's a lovely show we got some uh lovely poet guests on that's going to share with us some people that I've really wanted on the show for a while. We've got uh, the prolific poet uh, B. Smith. She's going to be on uh, later um, with a very, uh, very topical poem, actually from this labyrinth here. There's Denise Terry, who is actually a neighbor, but a wonderful uh, poet as well. The wonderful Thomas Carty is sort of one of Ireland's unknown stunning poets. He just pours stuff out and very, very talented, but people get, don't get to see him very much. But I think you'll enjoy uh, his presence, what he's got to offer. And uh, we've also got Jerry Donlan uh, from Roscommon up there by Loch Ree, uh, where the Shannon flows through, currently uh, in Suffolk. And it's wonderful to have him, wonderful storyteller and poet. It's been a pleasure to actually perform on the same stage as him. So we got him soon. And I hope that we don't run out of time because I want to fit in a bit of Claire Roach because Claire is actually going to be with you more than me next Sunday. So that's something to look forward to. So let's uh, see uh, who's amongst us today so far. I see there's quite a few of you there. Uh, well, we got uh, Donna's here. Fantastic. Thank you, John. A glorious morning in New Mexico. We had a glorious time. Oh, Bee's coming on board. Great. And uh, there she is. There's Bee. Uh, she's in the green room. Yes, we had someone I was putting out, and I thought we were going to have showers, but lovely is on. And there's Claire. I mentioned her. Oh, we've definitely got to have Claire on. She's sort of flashing on and off here. Uh, there's Claire, marvelous to see the willow branches. Uh, Kimberly is around. Uh, Kimberly, lovely to see you again from Boston, uh, regular. Terry, hello to you too. Thanks uh, for coming on board. And there's Brittany here. Good morning. And son, oh, Canada. Uh, people, lovely. Thank you uh, for joining us. Ah, that's great. We've got a lovely audience kicking off this before we even uh, get going. So that's uh, quite thrilling. 
so let's see what I've got for you anyway. Um, I would like to start by repeating the unraveling of the different uh, times that people celebrate Swan because people are still very confused about it. Sorry about the Kansas because I'm going to be talking to people. But anyway, uh, the majority of people, it seems, they've adapted to the Gregorian calendar and they perhaps don't realize it, but the Gregorian calendar version of Swan, uh, people call this Halloween, don't they? October the 31st, the Gregorian calendar date, the night before All Hallows. And I think that was mainly put together as a compromise connection between the Catholic Church as a way to connect with the peasant population, of course, something that could be understood and bring them in. A change of date wasn't much of a problem. But the Gregorian calendar, uh, much of the world uses. Now, what have we got here? We, uh, I'm just going to, I've got uh, messages. I've got someone on here. Again, my buttons. Why have I got Brittany? I've got you on still, and ah, uh, oh, there we go. I operate right. Yeah, that's it. The celebrating there of uh, some Sawan there, but as I was saying, Gregorian. There's our man here, Gregory. Uh, there he is. He's coming up there, and uh, much of the world uses the Gregorian calendar today, invented by Pope Gregory the Thirteenth. And actually introduced on Halloween 1582. So it's not really that old. And it was a kind of attempt to uh, improve on the Julius Caesar calendar that was really a mess. But then I think the Gregorian calendar is a mess too. But for a while, both calendar systems were operating. And it seemed to become a Catholic versus Protestant kind of thing because the Julian calendar kept going until fairly recent, really, in Scotland, which is quite amusing. I find it amusing, since hardly any Romans got over the Hadrian Wall. Yeah, they adopted, uh, ended up adopting the Julian calendar. Anyway, 31st of October, Gregorian date, most popular gathering time for people to light and hold reverence to their ancestors and all the various things that people do through Halloween and so on, though I think... Most people regard it as trick-or-treat, and that's it. But the next gathering uses a much more ancient calendar, time system, sidereal time, calibrated, from what I understand, in ancient Babylonian times. It's very accurate. It's, in, it's the Earth in relation to the solar system, uh, the galaxy, uh, the universe movements, and uh, was essential for early navigation, still quite essential for navigation, really. So that was yesterday. Uh, uh, for most of us, that was yesterday. And there's an actual point of Sawan, the exact halfway point between the, t the exact points of autumn equinox, fall equinox, and the winter solstice. So right in the middle, we have the cross-quarter point, which is uh, Sawan, according to the sidereal time. And the fi fire ceremony hosted after the first sunset after this crossing point is often what people who stick to the sidereal time, that's why they celebrate that sunset. And uh, it was evening yesterday, but it can, that cross point can be in daylight, but still the following sunset. And uh, this being Gregorian calendar time, that was the seventh yesterday. And uh, that's when it often is. Um, it's interesting uh, that the Gregorian uh, point the um, it's midpoint of Scorpio, 
and much of the to me much of the scorpio imagery sets very well uh with the uh personality of the celebration and the intensity of connection and the perseverance to make that connection and discovery and uh i think in a way uh what have i got i got something here on that there you go perhaps you can read that that might uh sound it off a bit better than what i'm trying to mumble off i am um, i think uh to cut to make that uh, a bit shorter think sherlock holmes i think if you think of the character of sherlock holmes you, you kind of get what i'm thinking about here um okay now england of all places got close to this quarter quarter date with their 5th of november guy fawkes bonfire night but england celebrated this annually well before there was a guy fawkes tried to blow up the houses of parliament maybe for thousands of years before i'm going to come back to that uh, a few moments uh, shortly uh, but uh, quickly on to the third ceremony date that people use is the first new moon. I think I got something on that. There we go. There's a nice dark moon for you. Uh, it's said to today uh, supposed to be the first dark moon after the papal calendar of 31st of October. Now this one uh, for Sawan celebration I think makes more sense because it's something that anybody can recognize. And you, there's very few people that are going to get the ephemeris and uh, going to calculate the math for sidereal time that's for the elite of course but for most people they can see when it's a dark moon time to them that's the one and uh, they can calculate that and that was the old way of celebrating so on i truly believe that's going to be middle of this month isn't it now the other question uh, that comes from people don't ask that but i'm always asking it where on earth did the Sawan word come from uh, we carry a sort of imagery that's been with us since the first humans landed on this island, now called Ireland. Uh, I think uh, the earliest known reference, if I can bring it up, was uh, from a scribe story in the 10th century, the Tukmak Emir, uh, the wooing of Emir by Kukulan. I'm going to see, whoa, my screen has gone all wonky here. I'm going to see if I can pull that up for you for a spelling. Uh, there you go, if you want to copy that down. And I'm going to take the moon away for the moment. Uh, if I can, come on, moon, 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 moon. There you go. There you go. And uh, the Takimur, I'm probably pronouncing wrong, the wooing of Ema by Kukulan. And when Ema, in this uh, story, Ema talks of Sawan to explain the summer coming to rest. And there's a lovely artist's impression. There he is. There's Kukulan uh, wooing the Ema there. Uh, right, let's find my buttons. It's because I I put I put lighting over this, so it's uh, it's quite interesting trying to get through this. And uh, that's the first time it seems in some sort of storytelling in the writing, uh, in the Torn, uh that uh, Ima talks of Swan and explaining it as summer coming to rest. We think of it as the winter coming on board, but that's what she was referring to it. The summer's coming to rest. The harvest is all done. And I'm going to talk a bit about that shortly anyway. But there was a festival of Uled uh, that seemed to come around this, the fact that the summer is done. And I'm going to talk about Tara a bit later, and uh, that's quite similar. But this site, I think, is lovely. It's, uh, it's on the Cooley Peninsula. And here's the in, on the map. Uh, 
it's north of uh, Louth there. That's the Cooley Peninsula. And uh, that's famous for obviously Cuckullen uh, getting the brown bull from there. I wonder if he, he was taking it from the fair from the celebration. I don't hear that in the story. Perhaps I need to read it closer, but uh, there's a map for you. From then on, it seems so one has appeared in several stories, and uh, especially in stories after Pope Gregory had success launching his calendar and when 31st of October became famous for people so on. Anyway, I'm going to take a break. I'm going to get our first poet on now, I think, because we have got a, a few. And I've got uh, Jerry Donlan. So let's, um, as I say, with Jerry Donlan and his work, uh, he's got a, a couple of Sawan poems. There's one that I requested, and uh, he's got a nice little satire one as well. So I'm going to bring on, attempt to bring on Jerry. He's sitting here in the green room. Hello there, Jerry. Hi. Hi John. Let's can get the cans on. Right, can you now see I can me and hear me. I can hear you great. Can you see uh, me okay? Yeah, yeah, in absolutely fabulous. Lovely. And I'm doing this otherwise there'd be an echo. Yes. Uh, right, Jerry, what have you been doing? I haven't seen you for years. Well, since uh, it's only two years, we had a wonderful weekend, didn't we? As uh, our yeah. For the Atana Festival, there it was absolutely brilliant to see you and Claire there. We, we had a wonderful weekend, fantastic storytelling and poetry and music and all that. But um, I, I, I like you over here. I, I've been going out until, of course, this lockdown we've had with um, a monthly storytelling and poetry in our woods around Suffolk and that. But the one thing been, I haven't done many today would have been the last one of our year, as a matter of fact. It's always the second Sunday in, in November that we stop doing it when we have a break until March, until the clock goes on again. So, Of course. I must butt in here because what Jerry's talking about here, and he started the same year, 2012, when we did Bards in the Woods in Ireland. And Jerry uh, did that in Suffolk. And they're still going. And it's incredibly popular. But obviously, <laughs> with the conditions at the moment, uh, mm -hmm. not possible. Jerry, tell us something about the poems you're going to share. Right, this this poem it was uh, it, it's coming from Roscommon. I got to uh, Sligo for the, about the first time in my life only about eight nine years ago, which is absolutely incredible. I've been that close, but I left home at sixteen and I'd go back there. But I got uh, to Knocknaree and I climbed Knocknaree, now known as Mayes Mountain, and I was absolutely gobsmacked with the inspiration up there at the cairn and looking around the beautiful you know out onto the atlantic ocean and the inspiration i was getting from there and by the time i got back down to the bottom i had this poem and uh, i even managed to do a story on knocking afterwards you know so it, it, it's it's a, an incredible place and i recommend anyone that goes over to wire and get to slide and climb knocking and uh, especially now because there's a lot of uh, other people, I, 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 which I don't recommend is taking stones away from there. I usually bring a little stone and make an offering, but I just hope that Cairn keeps going for many years to come. It's a wonderful place. So I wrote, I wrote this, and um, at that time, it was, only, it was only about three weeks before Samhain or Halloween when I was there, and I called it the, the Rock of Knocknarain. I wait beside this ancient rock, the Rock of Knocknarain and gaze upon the stony tomb where Maeve looks down on me. Peering through the veils of mist 
miswoven by the she, seeking souls who paid their toll for this night to be free. Year after year I've lingered there, ancestors far to see, watching the darkening shadows fall on the rock of Nakhnuri. At twilight, the sour night, our ancestors will be free to walk again amongst their kin with the puka and the she. As darkness falls, ancestors rise and stand beside the she. Together, they will wind their way to the rock of Loch Noreen. So that's my, my first poem. And I uh, hope you like that one. And this one, about five years ago, I was outside on Samhain night. I used to smoke in those days. I used to go outside to have a cigarette. There was an apple tree in my garden at the time. And I just peered through a couple of branches. And I saw the moon. And uh, this, is, this is what came to me that night. And I called it Samhain Moon. I watched the moon through the apple tree. It was Samhain night and all the spirits were free. Little did I know what was in store for me the night I watched the moon through the apple tree. The moon was full, not a cloud in the sky. The planets seemed to wink as they trundled on by. I strained my eyes between leaves to see the beautiful moon through the apple tree. Through the leaves of the tree, the moon did shine. Those moonbeams were so fair and fine. And I wondered if the beams would break free. The night I watched the moon through the apple tree. Then a shadow passed over the apple tree. And a strange odd feeling came over me. I held my breath, but the shadow did not flee. The night I watched the moon through the apple tree. A darkly shadow flitted round and round. And my two legs were stuck to the ground. When I saw two beady eyes peering at me, the night I watched the moon through the apple tree. I opened my mouth, but I could not speak. All I could utter was a tiny squeak. When all of a sudden I was in front of me, the night I watched the moon through the apple tree. A fine strap on which was strapped in a broom, and then I thought I had met my doom. When from beneath her pointy hat, she leered at me, the night I watched the moon through the apple tree. She asked what I was doing there. It is sour night, do you have no fear? Or do you think you were brave? She snarled at me. The night I watched the moon through the apple tree. But still not a word could I speak. And then I heard her besom creak as she rammed the shaft straight at me. The night I watched the moon through the apple tree. The shaft she wedged between my thighs and it brought a steady flow of tears from my eyes. The witch sat upright just behind me. The night I watched the moon through the apple tree. She said, hang on, you are flying with me. Then I felt a bony hand on my knee. She started to cackle and giggle with glee. The night I watched the moon through the apple tree. To the starry sky on her besom we flew. How far we ventured, I never knew. Because my eyes were tight closed and I could not see. The night I watched the moon through the apple tree. Face to face now on the bosom we sat. Sorry, on the besom we said, <laughs> me bareheaded, she wearing her pointed hat. When we landed on the ground, I cried, glory be, the night I watched the moon through the apple tree. She said, now off, go, I've had enough of you. I must make haste for the dawn is due. Now go home to bed and forget all about me. Till next time you watch the moon through the apple tree. So there you are, John. There's my uh, couple of uh, contributions to your wonderful Ah, brilliant. 
Oh, thank you for the apple tree one. That got me off the hook because I was, I'm not being able to include apples today. So that's covered it. Ah. Anyway, uh, it was lovely to have you on. The, I'd love to have you on longer, but we've got quite a thing going on. But I'd love to get you back here when, for the different ones. It's, it was great to connect with you uh, for this time. So all the best there, Jerry. And thank thanks very, very much, much for that. Thank, thank you. you. Bye. Uh, have Bye. a great winter. See ya. Oh, that was wonderful to get Jerry uh, on board. Uh, uh, fabulous. I, uh, I, I trust you enjoyed that. And that was a thrill and a nice surprise to get the apple uh, in on that. Uh, there's Marcella, lovely poet. One day, Marcella, we're going to have to get you on board. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, and, of course, Claire's uh, met Jerry a few times. I don't know why Claire came. There we go. Magic to Jerry. Thanks very much. And Annette. Oh, hi. Hi. Uh, hi to both of us. Thank you. And Rebecca. Uh, there we go. No one really had the time to get together and meet uh, until post-harvest anyway. That makes sense, too. And uh, I was going to say something about that. Uh, strangely enough, I'm not going to be able to fit that in, but there are some traditions related just to what you're saying. But I'm going to have to move that to two Sundays time. But uh, thanks for mentioning that. Quite true. And uh, then Donna, celebrating on the dark moons, we got another week. Yes, yeah, late this uh, week, isn't it, Donna? It, it is that indeed. Uh, great. Oh, Didier is here. Um, uh, oh, yes, uh, he's here. Um, Denise's partner to make sure everything is wonderful. That And he took the video. We'll see that a bit later. And uh, there's a treat for you, Didier. We're actually going to have two. Uh, and put, I've got an old recording there as well of Denise. So that's great. Thank you all um, to get going uh, with this now. Uh, so, on. so what is this celebration of reverence of this time? Another we uh, sort of question with that. There we go. There's a nice bit of symbol that fits with that. Uh, I'm going to talk a little bit briefly about the reflection on ancestors and that's what a lot of us think about the interpretation of ancestors seems to be very wide for some people it seems to be a visitation to the memories even psychic connections to members of our families and distant families that have passed on for other people seem to expand this into including the entire human ancestry that's been on this planet or even a local dynasty of the space around the, the neighborhood, the land where they're living in. Now, one uh, common thread uh, appears to be the connection to mentoring, guidance, and wisdom. And I love this for explaining that. I'll give you a moment on that one. Um, now, it seems uh, what we call a swan or was quite a process of closing the harvest. Um, well, I was mentioned Rebecca earlier. So the people were so busy with the harvesting and it gets more and more intense, but this is the time when it's closed off and things happen. I'll be talking about that as well when I get to Tara. Uh, but it's the time of paying the debts is part of it. People are getting together because one of the things they've got to do is pay their debts. And that can be symbolic of many things. Now I'm going to talk about that, about that shortly, but I'm going to get on to our next poet uh, Thomas Carty. Unfortunately, we haven't got him live. I got a picture of him there. There's Claire in the background because I, 
I think she gave a bit of music. This was at a festival. I think it was Face Fest, Char uh, Charlton um, Castle in Offaly. But unfortunately, Thomas was on a night shift and is still fast asleep. So I'm going to have to um, use a recording uh, of Thomas. But, and these, this is actually a lovely recording. I'll get right down to it. And I'll share this with you. And this is a selection of Thomas's uh, short poems. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. And I hope this works for you. As if applause, a clap, 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 echoes the evening air. As I walk past spectators, and yet there's no one there. It is no ghostly apparition of which these lands are framed, of mother's nature's creations, wild and free, but swans untamed. Their wings slap against the surface, as to the sky they take flight. I, a walker, I watch in wonder, they soar high out of sight. I wonder what they think of us, as we work and worry in our homes. I wonder what occupies their minds, when like fools like me, it's not writing poems. I heard not the cries of the Norman child, and the forgotten keep that no longer stands, slapped by its mother for a reason lost in time, and its pain suited by another's hands. I heard not the cries of mother and childbirth, heard not the cries of another's fear, as their fortress came under attack, heard not the cry of soldier killed by spear. I heard not the prayers of the Christian man, who refuge from others attacking here found, where he built his home where he never should, upon this ancient burial mound. I heard not the chants of those whose dead were placed here all those years ago, about whom we have learned so much in time, and about whom we so little know. I heard not the orders backed in an unknown tongue, as of how these stones where were to be placed, by a people of no writing or modern tools, with technology and knowledge we have misplaced. But I did hear the bird song and the silence, that must have echoed so loud and quiet in their ears. That thing all civilizations have in common, the melodious soundtrack of the passing years. Bird and the bee and everything that we see, the brown and dark earth and the grass that is green, all that is nature is living and good. It is where we see where God he has been. The man that helps another though he is not his brother, for he sees that the other is in trouble or ill. In that man we see in our fellow man, God is at work, he is working here still.
A dance of joy and survival, shaking shoulders and swaying hips, and an eye out for her lover, with a half smile on her lips. Like her sisters long before her, she sees life as a chance, to live, to love and liberty, to the rhythm of the music and dance. And the music of the guitars floats high over the sounds of the throngs, who watch at a distance the musicians and the dancers and their songs. No matter what life is thrown at them, no matter what their enemies do, they will dance and they will sing endure their persecution through. Hatred holds not their hearts, their hearts do full of fear, of the turning of friends against them who today friendly appear. So they keep the music playing, songs of survival and romance, clap to the beat of their hips and feet to the rhythm of the dance. Hi, <laughs> that was Thomas. And I trust you uh, enjoyed that. I, and uh, there are a lot of people dancing in the street, isn't it? And I was thinking uh, to myself that uh, I'm glad that perhaps I'm living a life lived that um, people are not dancing in the street all over the world when I lost my job. So uh, joy to all those who are uh, enjoying some joy just now, which I think is most of the people that uh, are watching here. Uh, any more? comments you've probably all been mesmerized uh, by thomas there great so <laughs> i'll move along here and i'm going to move on to tara which i didn't have time for last week i didn't have the time for hill of tara because i i could go on for ages about it but the first thing that stands out in tara uh, to me is um if uh, the uh, mouse would stay still come on mouse uh, there we go uh, it's kind of moving. Well, there's Tara anyway. There's a picture aerial view there by uh, Anthony Murray. Murphy, I mean, Anthony Murphy. That's one of his, Anthony Murphy's. But the thing that to me that stands out, and uh, clear again, uh, is the mound of hostages. And it's about uh, 5,000 years old. And uh, it's actually aligned to the Soang Cross Quarter. It would have been aligned yesterday. And if there'd been sun there, uh, it would have shone right through that gate there. That's an old picture. And then they kind of did a restoration job. There's the front of it as it looks now. And uh, at, um, at the cross quarters, so on. Sun goes in there, illuminates it. Unfortunately, I haven't got any pictures of what it illuminates at the back. There is a back stone there. And there's actually a stone to the left of that. I think I might be able to show you later. I'm not sure if I've included that in my collection or not. Uh, but it's kind of a mapping stone. Anyway, not to worry. That gives you a sense. The mound of the hostages. First thing there, and very important, I think. And then the similar phenomena happens at Cairn L, which is at Carmen uh, West at Loch Crew. And there's, uh, I didn't show this one last week. There's what happens there, the sunrise uh, over the hill there. And where I'm standing is in front of the cairn, and uh, I haven't got the picture this week. I showed you it last week. It lights up a standing stone inside the cairn once you're through the gate there. But bear in mind that uh, this is uh, this happens at the cross quarter, the Soan cross quarter, around the seventh, like yesterday. Uh, it doesn't do 
like this place. <laughs> I'm quite amused by this because there's a, a lot of people have a quite a song and dance about this um, by saying, ah, the sun goes into Listergill on the 31st. This was deliberately rebuilt to do that. So, and, this, and of course, this place was originally built thousands of years before there was a Goring calendar. I'm using that as an example of just how we've been twisted in two directions. Uh, the, and there's an aerial view of that uh, to show you what I mean. That's just like a uh, pile of stones to represent. They've done a great job, but uh, unfortunately, they changed the calendar on the place. Alignments of the megalithical uh, sites, they do follow sidereal time. Um, and why and how they did that, well, that's a mystery I don't understand. How on earth did they know how to make these alignments? Hell of a mystery. I've never worked it out. Maybe someone in the audience amongst you can tell me how. Put it in the comments if you know. Now, somehow the alignment of the Mound of Hostages seems to have inspired, and this was the sort of, this sort of kicked things off, um, seemed to inspire a space of land around it that became the gathering place in ancient times for the whole of this island that is now Ireland. It all seemed to start with the Mount of Hostages, the first thing that was there. So there's stories that we don't know about that at all. Um, and, um, and of course, famous near that is the court of the High King. And uh, it seems there was a post-harvest process of council meetings all around this island. And it started off with local meetings. Um, there'd be local meetings. Uh, at the end of harvest, there'll be trading, clearing debts, sorting out disagreements when people are disgruntled with each other. All this has to be cleared up. And then when that's done locally, uh, the local representatives would go off to a regional area, maybe the chieftains. There'd be more gatherings doing the same. And it looks like as if there was a process, almost like a famous election just now, a process that just kept sorting things out, balancing the books, balancing attitudes, balancing agreements so that there was peace, hopefully peace amongst everybody, gradually processing around the island. And from the uh, regions, the reps were, ended up in various courts uh, around Tara. And uh, this is one of my favorites. Um, this one's here. Uh, I don't think that sign's there anymore. The Rathgronia, because that's relative to here, because Gronia, uh, there are Gronia stories from around here as being a chieftain uh, around the hill of Cage here. I won't go into that one because I cover that in other Sunday sessions. Anyway, uh, uh, just to give you an idea what goes on, this was actually a group here that I had. But there we go. We got a meeting inside the Rathgrania. Uh, people clearing things up between themselves. Actually, they were clearing things up between themselves. It's the first time these people have met, and they were kind of bonding with each other. So there we go. We were putting it to purpose, the Rathgrania. Uh, but anything that wasn't uh, cleared up, it got settled here in the court of the High King, another one, another area. I don't know who took that one, unfortunately, but there's the court of Cormac, and you can see where the so-called Stone of Destiny is on one of those. So it's as if the um, approach to the uh, someone was a time of making agreements, uh, securing laws, uh, purpose of this seems to be a strong belief in how humans connected together on earth because how we connected on earth it was believed that's how it was in the other world 
if we couldn't sort things out here, it's not going to be a pleasant experience when we get to the other world. So get it sorted out here and we'll have a paradise over the other side. And if the other world was disrupted, then the, there was this other superstition that if we disrupt the other world by not getting on the next year's harvest and our human health, it'd all be, a, there'd be no good. Mm, parallel, uh, deja vu, I'm not going to say anymore. Anyway, there was definitely pressure to get things right. And it seems there was a strong belief in divine interference, and that divine interference gave us guidance in all things. And I saw this lovely slogan here that kind of, I think, explains that very briefly. And this being strongest when the veil between the two worlds was its most thinnest. Um, there we go. I, another one. Cleos featured a lot. I love this one. Uh, is very much, to me, a symbol of being a veil between two worlds there. But Sawan is believed to be the time and the alignment of the mound of hostages somehow. And that alignment to the mound of hostages, to me, somehow inspired Tara to be that place to gather to honor the veil because the end of the harvest coincided with when that light entered the mound of hostages. All ties together. One was a seed for the rest of it. Now, there's some uh, old stories telling that the she and the serpents would attack castles and forts if there was disrespect of the she at this time. But uh, I got something in my Bathing in the Phase breath book, the um, Handsome Frog, that goes into that a little bit, but we'll leave that for another session. And uh, certainly, so on time seems to have grown into a time of in increasing superstition. There's a lot of superstition banded around uh, this time. And there's several stories that uh, tell of this time of the she and all goddesses mating with human men. But I don't have any photographs of that uh, to show you at this time. But with several stories, that mating of the she and the goddesses wasn't, it was much more than one night stand. It was, from the stories, it looked like as if it was an experience from someone through the winter to Imbolc. Now, some call uh, Sawan the beginning of the new Celtic year, the beginning of the Celtic year. I can't go along with that myself because I think that's a, a modern human concept. We're, con we're conditioned, I think, with concepts of beginnings and ends. There's a Celtic year for you there. And the way I view it is this is a time from now Sawan until Imbolc is a tradition, transition into what seems to be a still season, a kind of a weaving transition, especially underground, all the stuff that's getting woven underground from the debris from this year and being into a transition of new births in bulk. Going to go more into that into Sunday's time. But anyway, so on, it's still part of the endless cycle rather than being a beginning to the end. That's my belief on that. I believe, as you know, in the cycles and spirals. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, another site of mystery uh, is the banqueting hall. Uh, that's a feature. Look at that. Going up, you can see the quarter Cormac uh, in the distance, and there's the banqueting hall, that sort of long furrow there. Uh, quite a feature. And uh, the two main stories of this is that there's gaps. This is taken on a frosty morning. 
So mine will be clear. Can you see the gaps in that? It said that uh, each of those gaps along the Bunketing Hall site there is where roads from all parts of the island met. So the roads from all over the island, they all came trundling through the landscape and they would all meet and they would all end up in the Bunketing Hall site there. Now, the other one, the other story with this is that after all the trade deal debts, all the disputes, all the legislation had all been sorted, there was then a huge feast where everybody could share in the feast, uh, the chieftains, their bards, maybe the druids or whatever. That's what we call them today, isn't it? The druids, wherever the medicine and wise men accompanied them, uh, they all got together, had a great Kaylee and a uh, good crack. And some stories tell that this feast, this festival, wasn't every year. It actually happened uh, every three years um, and was organized uh, even by Cormac MacArthur about 200 AD. What was before then from the time of the Mount of Hostages up to 200 AD uh, still quite a mystery. But what is said at the end of this feast, this triennial feast, is said that the whole banqueting hall Imagine this. Look at this length again. That whole banqueting hall was set on fire. That was all built. Imagine that was all wooden thatch that they'd been building for three years. Poof! It all uh, went on fire. And um, there's some stories, uh, the gruesome stories, of course, is the bodies of those who passed on recently. I'm not sure. But it was said the bodies who were passed on, they were then put onto this fire. And uh, when the fire was down, all the embers would be put into pots to take home and share and uh, and share and share again. Maybe the wise men that congregated for the final meetings, they took them back and they were shared. It's, we don't know. Uh, we only know by the jack-o'-lanterns, of course. Now, whether the fire to light this fire of the banqueting hall uh, came from the fireplace at Talaka that I covered well last week, is uncertain, um, but um, it seems obvious from other stories we're told that that's somehow where the fire came from. There's also questions about the actual distribution and sharing of the fire, though. Uh, we, we're familiar with pumpkins, but as a child, it was always turnips. I think that's a lovely picture of a couple of turnips there, and there's a lit one there. And So that's uh, how we... It said we carry the fire. Well, certainly as a child, and some people have gone back to turnips lately, I noticed. But it seems the first written reverence to the Soan fire was in the Celtic Romance time in the um, 19th century. And there was James, Sir James Fraser, a Scotsman, in his book, The Golden Bough, uh, in 1880. And he certainly makes great reference to the Soan fires in that. Um, but I believe that the Soan fire traditions is a lot older, of course. Everything doesn't have to be written down. As I said in past Sunday sessions, the stuff that's written down seems to have been sponsored by the elite. They wanted stuff archived about their lives, not of the common garden peasants. They don't really come into these great annals um, because they, uh, the bards weren't kept by them. So uh, the stuff may not have been written down. But I don't think the uh, first uh, Soan fires evolved from Stingy Jack. Most people know the Stingy Jack stories. Google it. I'm not going to talk of it uh, today, not enough time. But there's a bog landscape phenomena called Ignis Fatus, the foolish fire. 
And uh, I think I've got it. There it is. There's a foolish fire. I wonder if you get the sense of that. It's in a boggy area. Uh, it's not a fire, but a light illusion that uh, flares up on the bogs. Uh, kind of, there's someone here. It's, a bit of, it's very difficult to get photographs of it. I hope you can see that. Uh, it's a, like a flickering that comes out of the bog. It's like a miniature northern lights that you see in the sky. They're huge. These are sort of like flickering, similar color uh, to what you get in the northern. And uh, when people, uh, it seems, uh, I can understand when people have got their mead and their whiskey and their cider, they're going to look at these and they're going to start thinking, wow, these lights are the fairies, ghosts, and spirits that are carrying lanterns. And uh, I think this brought up a tradition, again, out of superstition, uh, to appease the fairies. Um, now I've got to get to some more pictures here. It's to appease the fairies uh, by putting out poteen and uh, raising bread, brack, tea brack, and like people putting out stuff at um, Bridges Day. I think some people still do this on All Hallows Eve, on Halloween night after the trick-or-treaters are gone. You couldn't do it before they <laughs> had gone. Put out the poteen and uh, your brack on your windowsill. And of course, the, um, the following morning, the poaching will be all gone uh, and there'll still be a bit of brack left. So uh, they weren't that greedy, I suppose. Uh, there's, there's some brack here. There you go. And if you don't know what brack is, there it is. Some people put coins in. I'm not going into that tradition this time. Uh, might do another time. Anyway, this is not the mischief, really, when you think about it. It's not the mischief of cross-quarter time. Uh, this quarter time, we don't think of mischief in the way that what goes on at Halloween. It seems as soon as the uh, date moved to the 31st of October, people started getting into more and more mischief. I suppose if a pope uh, kind of invented this, of course there'll be mischief, uh, because it was being daring against the church, wasn't it? So I can imagine the mischief really increasing because of that. Anyway, I'm going to go, uh, I think I want to get on to uh, the next poem, poet. Oh, it. Uh, what have I got here? Uh, that's oh, that's for a bit later, right? Denise Terry and I hope uh, Didier is here. I've got uh, Denise Terry, short li uh, little poem, um, but fabulous all the same. Um, and here she is with first fires. Blessings as the first fire's golden warmth light up the dark, the tears fall from the silver skies carried on the east wind. The sparks soar high and ignite the spirits, remembering our beloveds near, far and beyond the veil. Rejoice in letting go, release and replenish. A new beginning is seeded. Fuel your dream fires with certainty. Spirit is watching and supporting your next step. Sing, dance and celebrate the Celtic New Year. Merry be. Well, a lovely bit of Denise. You're actually going to hear a little bit more of her later on uh, from a past... Uh, little ceremony we had here. But uh, some of you, uh, Charlene's here. 
hello thank you for your stories and wisdom thank you for being here and uh the mound of hostages favorite place to visit it is quite enchanting isn't it and sherry is here lovely to see you sherry good morning everyone we can always hear the beginning as well always archived of course uh lovely to have you uh all here thank you so much and enjoy your celebrations uh related to other things um it's quite a moving day isn't it anyway it does seem uh, i don't need that for now it does seem the tara Soan festival actually spread to wales and um sometimes uh i wonder if the tara fish was actually inspired from wales i forget i used to tell a story uh of the leinster uh kind of druids and chieftains and the welsh one they used to compete with each other and i'm wondering if tara actually was inspired by wales i'm not sure but uh it was called the Kalangay. let's see if i can Kalangaya. i mean uh see if i can get spelling for that for you um oh i forgot here's something uh we had thomas on there we go writings in rhyme if you want to get uh thomas carty's uh poems a bit later writing in rhymes anyway this is what i wanted to show you kalangif i was in ancient times to the welsh the first day of winter but what's happened in wales trick-or-treat has come along they've moved it to october the 31st it's no difference just a word now unfortunately uh for the same as what we all do around the world the trick-or-treat but there if you need the spelling uh there it is uh, for that uh so and then that kind of moved to england and england they had their they've got their bonfire night and uh it's something again that's a kind of tradition that's kind of fallen out big thing when i was a child there was the going around penny for the guy uh you'd make a stuff sort of character and uh, your parents couldn't buy your fireworks they couldn't buy all of them anyway because they were pretty expensive so you just go hustling around the shops get pennies you pick up uh, bottles and uh, get the refunds on those and eventually you get yourself enough to buy a few crackers and rockets and all that good stuff that i think is definitely related to the uh, guy forks and there's a whole sort of collection there ready for the fire uh because they've, they've become quite communal so everybody brings their guys along for good old burn up again i was saying the bodies went on the fire at tara to me that's what that's uh, related to very macabre i know but uh, as kids we thought that was jolly at the time but my favorite thing uh from the bonfire night was the baked potatoes there we go now we cheat now those baked potatoes they're in foil but boy when you actually open them up don't they taste a lot better than from the oven uh when i was a child we didn't have the foil we just threw them in they were king edward's potatoes nice thick skin they'd be all black and you just peel off the black skin and you got this lovely potato with the butter uh they have inside um but ireland of course uh, they have the coke cannon the coke cannon uh will depends on the region what uh, is in it some areas it's the mashed potato with the scallions uh the spring onions others it's with the cabbage and some is scallions and the cabbage but of course ireland being a foodie country now the garlic has gone in the bacon has gone in the ham has gone in sometimes the sausage goes in and uh and the uh dulse the dulse seaweed that can go in as well anyway coal cannon 
absolutely gorgeous. I like that as much as baked potatoes. And those of you who have that, I'm sure uh, that's with you as well. Um, right, there's a couple more uh, comments. Let's catch, keep catching you up on that. Uh, Claire is uh, uplifting. Oh, Denise, yes, very uplifting. And we got some, you'll remember that Denise is coming. Thanks, Claire. Thank you for that. Uh, right, it's, uh, I've got time for one more thing today. <clears throat> Well, it's actually two more things because we've got B who's patiently waiting and she's a part of another segment that's, uh, uh, I, that I love, but it's more local. But uh, there we go, if I get the Scottish geysers. There we go. I'll bring that up. And there's, uh, you know, in my Scotland life, the geysing was a major, major thing. And it used to be very widespread, very much a big thing on the Hebrides, uh, the West Coast. It sort of disappeared on the East Coast quite quickly. Uh, but uh, I just love the geysing tradition because I was, as uh, from a child, I've been into the folk drama, I've been into that whole tradition that's represented by the geysing, that's represented by the mummers. So I'm very passionate about this. Um, and the geysers, they dressed up. There's some, <laughs> uh, there's some Hebridean geysers doing the best they can to dress up with what they got because... Bear in mind, they didn't really have much and didn't have access. They didn't have the roll-on, roll-off ferries as frequent as they have now. But the whole point of the geysers dressing up is imitating the raised dead. They pretend that they were the dead that have come out of the ground and that they would go and haunt people and they would go up to their cottage doors and uh, claim that they are the risen dead and uh, they would bribe people into them, uh, giving them something. Otherwise, they would put curses on them for the year so that they would perhaps even be dead in the year ahead. So, again, another sort of macabre sport that was done by the wee ones uh, in Scotland, uh, the geysers. <laughs> and uh, sometimes they were silent and they went into mime. Uh, and the reason they went silent is so the voices wouldn't be recognized. Otherwise, ha-ha, you're not the risen dead. You're, you're uh, Alistair down the road there. And uh, <laughs> no, they kept silent. But they, people seeing these, you know, ah, the zombies. Uh, quick, give them something. Yeah, and I'll tell you what they give in a minute. Um, the others, there was performances. Now, look at these. You'll recognize this. This is from another part of Scotland. A uh, performance. And these people, they were more focused on prevent you know this was a development this was about blessings uh on the home uh with those characters uh, <laughs> and uh the one thing you would do when these if you get these coming into the door you'd make peace with them and what you would give them is soul cakes these are soul cakes uh, and what you do with the geysers you actually they have to perform if they're not silent they actually have to perform something for you they have to actually perform a play of uh, regeneration of the dead is a play of how what we regard as bad and evil becomes good and it's play and rhymes and this is what they performed and after they've done all that they get these soul cakes and the reason the soul cakes are handy is a wish that the geysers would take them back to the underworld where they came from and would pass them on as a blessing for those uh, that had died in the family that had died and uh, they would be given an apple too. So thanks, Jerry, for that. They would be given an apple and uh, hazelnuts. 
And of course, what will they what will they do? They would go away, and uh, they would eat the uh, <laughs> salt cakes, apples, and hazels themselves. Of course, they didn't take them to the other world. And of course, it's very much in the Santa and Tooth Fairy tradition. But that's what the geysers were about. Think how that's been watered down to trick or treat today. You don't get any of that, and it's actually unfortunately disappeared very much uh, in Scotland as well. Right. So I'm glad to have actually lived uh, through that myself. But Mummer's Plays came out of that tradition. This is more sort of mummery. Um, the Wren, the Wren boys as well, uh, but they're connected more, it's Irish, more connected with weddings and to bring blessing to the weddings. But also uh, it's how the ancestors, the past ancestors, those that have passed on, how they managed to attend the wedding as well. So that's what... Um, Oh, no, no, I'm thinking of, the, uh, yeah, the Wren boys, they, they go to weddings, but we're talking about catching Wrens, but it's all connected with people pretending that they've come out uh, as zombies from the graveyards. So that's a little bit uh, of that. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, soul cakes, easy to bake, not much different to a scone mix, really. Uh, but uh, instead of uh, wheat flour, use oatmeal. Use the pin oatmeal, the macroom oatmeal uh, that's made in cork. Absolutely perfect for this with butter, uh, well, a bit of baking powder, and then you sort of, with the butter, uh, kind of fold that in and uh, make crumbs out of it. Maybe add water, add a bit of milk. S some people like fruit, some spices, maybe uh, honey. But, of course, we're making it complicated. It used to be a a very simple recipe. Um, let's get down. I'm running out of pictures here. Anyway, I would like to talk more about, about apples, but I'm going to leave that for a couple of weeks. And today, as I say, trick or treat is much more watered down, but that's what people are familiar with. Um, it's more commercial, unfortunately, isn't it? Anyway, uh, the other things I will cover in two weeks' time will be apples, wassailing, the blessing of apple trees, brooms and broom dancing, witches, black cats, and the tradition of bringing cattle down from the hill grazing because they've been sent up into the hills of Belfany after crossing between the fires uh, to get rid of all the bugs and stuff they picked up in the winter. The fires would singe them off of their, their uh, coats, the two fires, the sparks. And, of course, there was a blessing up the hill as they go, and there's a whole sense of tradition up here, but they're back. And uh, there's a whole lots of goings on when they come back. And the origin of the U.S. Cowboys comes from this. So I'm looking forward to telling you about that in two weeks time. And another important thing about this time is uh, the tradition of Don, uh, Lord of the Dead. Let's see, I think I've got him here. Oh, another thing, the apples. When the, uh, uh, before they got their gift, uh, they had to bob for apples. That's a tradition that's left. Has gone. So when the guys just came round, that's something I have to do. Anyway, Don, Lord of the Dead. I'm going to talk about him in a couple of weeks' time. Fascinating uh, story. Uh, I was going to read a poem about him, but I'm kind of running out of time, and I want to get to B. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, so I'll skip the poem that I was going to read about uh, uh, Dead. I'll come back to your comments uh, uh, later. But uh, this is so on time. This is bringing it local to us now. Uh, we host a lovely candle-lighted labyrinth garden walk. We've got the garden of labyrinths here, as you probably all know, but the COVID has stopped us doing 
this uh, lighted labyrinth this year. So here is a video before I bring uh, B on board because she was inspired by this. It's a video of a herbal spiral uh, garden walk that was three years ago. I don't think you were at this one, B. Uh, anyway, uh, this is a bit of a collection. If I can get this up okay, uh, this is it. Beautiful sight, clear sky. Everything just fell into place for that evening. So I'll leave you with the last Sawan 2017 Karakroid Journal. I hope you enjoy it. Light dances upon storm-drenched earth. Star-spangled droplets spill from leaden clouds. Wind rustles leaves along puddle-filled paths. Myriad of seeds pop and crack underfoot. Oak, beech, hazel, chestnut. Summer releases her hold slowly. The warm golds and reds turn rich yellow and brown. Revealing silhouette branches, roots stretch deep into still, warm earth, thirstily soaking in draughts of autumn nectar. Swiftly shortening days, <coughs> slow the pace, swan and raven, outsize duck and crow. Clouds of starlings rest in neat rows on wires and rooftops, awaiting the stillness readying and replenishing for another swirling sky dance all in mi is mirrored in the still lock as above so below and now the earth holds you even closer to her death the deepest and often the last initiation to stretch the heart so wide and turns oneself inside out Good. Well, 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 well,
that's a little bit from there. And that was at the end, that was Mike Absalom. If you didn't catch that, there was uh, Beyond Good Terms with Worms and very sort of Halloween y so on. Uh, well, at last, thanks for your patience hanging on, B. Here's B. Uh, this was last year in the tree labyrinth, and uh, she is going to be a got a wonderful uh, poem on this and it's lovely to have be on board very abundant poet has written beautiful meaning entertaining poetry i'm going to bring up uh, where is she she's got a, a kind of lovely blog website with lots of poems on if you can get that one uh, anyway i'm going to bring uh, be on board now and uh, hello be at last thanks very much for at last uh, can you here. hear me <laughs> oh, very clear. You're wonderful. And you're looking great. Thank you. Uh, good. And uh, I want to say thank you for the very positive Scorpio message or characterization you had at the beginning. <laughs> oh, because I so often we Scorpios have such a terrible <laughs> reputation. <laughs> they bad mouth us. And that was, you know, was, that was oh, very kind. Uh, I appreciate that. Oh, great. So, now, uh, what have you got for us today? Well, as you mentioned, uh, I wrote a. I came back from the lantern lit uh, tree labyrinth event you had last Samhain. It was an amazing evening. Uh, the moon was very full. I don't know if it was an exactly full moon, but it was very plump, and um, and it was just a wonderful night. And uh, watching the video you showed before, I mean, everybody was scampering around lighting candles and jam jars and setting them out. And it was a wonderful communal event. And then we all went into your cottage and we ate nice things. And uh, yeah, we all look forward to being able to do that again sometime soon. So anyway, I wrote this poem afterwards and I have dedicated it to you, John. And it is called Labyrinth. Surrender to amazement. Be found in the lantern-lit labyrinth, surrounded by velvet darkness. Above, a cloud-scudded sky is blanched by a pregnant moon. Remember once again, you may find who you truly are. Bewilderment may find you a miracle so fervently beseeched it was forgotten. You may breach the maze in your mind in the night's blooming darkness, its welcome silence, in the scrying for your future, reading the embers in the need fire. Ah, oh. ah, oh, that's uh, wonderful. And uh, I have put this, uh, it's lovely to get you at last. And if everybody can really get that down and be comes out with fabulous poems and there's wonderful ones, I hope that you'll come back and share with us another time. As I say, I, I'm, I'm doing some over running as usual, uh, but to give you a nice prime spot, uh, especially, I always forget the title, the one with the trees, uh, oh, the wedding oh I call it Nemeton. Yes. Uh, how Danu married Bila. 
was we're definitely going to have to have you on for that one. I look forward to that one. Now that we know this works and you sounded really great, you look really great. So thanks very much. Sorry it was so short this time, but we're going to get you back. Pardon? I put Sorry? lipstick on for you. I put lipstick oh, very on good. for you today, just for your okay, show. Well, it's the first time in months. Screen. All right. <laughs> Has Tony got lipstick on? Uh, oh, we're going to have no, to get Tony yet. on as well sometime. <laughs> uh, we'll get Tony. Lovely to see you, and thanks. Sorry it was so short, but uh, thank you so much. Oh, that was good. Too short, of course. Uh, now, uh, I've gone over the hour as usual, so again, I'm cutting a few things out. But I must move on with this uh, next one uh, because I said we're going to have a bit of Claire. And the one thing I got from Claire, they haven't extended the video uh, length that we're allowed uh, on the stream. Now, this is happening in the next week or two. So I'm going to do a bit of technology whizzy here. I haven't done for a few weeks where it's sort of share screen. It takes quite a bit of uh, horsepower. Let's see if this works for you. And I trust you will enjoy this. This will uh, be uh, with Claire. And this is actually got Claire. And there's some photographs wedged in of what B was talking about, the uh, tree labyrinth, lighted labyrinth. I didn't have a video for that last year, but uh, there's photos. And it's in with this piece by Claire that's very fitting for this so on time. So I'm going to try and get this going for you. Um, let's see if I can get the right buttons. And there it is. Right, we should be on the ro uh, rock and roll. Shadows 
get back yes i'm back <laughs> well that was i hope you enjoyed that bit let's see that was claire we got claire next week i'll talk about that in a moment there's quite a few comments uh from you uh poems lovely especially the candlelit labyrinth thank you uh donna and um what there was a show then marcella claire magical court and sherry Good afternoon, B. You look great. There we go. Love the poem. Thank you uh, for that, Sherry. And Claire's here. B. Beautiful poem. Uh, and look forward. Thank, uh, thank you for those uh, comments. Now, uh, getting back uh, to where I am. Uh, before you go, definitely well before you go, tell you what's coming up. But during these Sunday sessions, there's a lot I leave out. And it's to make... Uh, room for guests uh, uh, and uh, for your uh, comments as well. Um, 
and uh yeah a lot of leave outs leave room uh, for guests comments as i say i was mentioning with those and uh as i've been pointing out creating a she water and tree folklore course it's going to take these subjects that i seem to cover and flash through on a sunday take them uh, much deeper much uh, further and for a while there's not going to be a course for you with this but i'm going to invite you to subscribe to the course uh Karakori labyrinth gardens and these sunday sessions there are subscription charges that i have to pay to keep this going uh so uh i do subscription uh let patreon handle it um so it's helped a lot by your subscriptions donations and the course media will be ever increasing there'll be topic videos podcasts slides ebooks and eventually we'll get together to take this further with zoom like course meetings and i'll even design a certificate of accomplishment of going through these various rites of passage so it's all going to be there uh it's going to be some optional projects to be able to take as well so subscribing through the patreon page if you can just the euro dollar pound a month or more and there's links all over the karakori website and i've taken the liberty of putting that uh, there so um and then i'll message you how to access the course so thank you for being subscribers thank you for being uh, here um coming up uh let's give you some pictures of what's coming up over the next few weeks we have next sunday it's an introduction to harbs and bardic folklore i'm going to do a bit on bardic folklore and then hand you over to claire who is going to we did it here at the cottage last week last year absolutely fabulous where Claire shows that you don't need to go on to musical courses, you don't need to be proficient musicians, just one string can get stuff out there. Imagine the stories you've got of the Doida, the Dagda, and of Koran. They had simple harps where they would be using one string. They'd be holding them up to the wind, but they have their voices. Look at what Claire was doing uh, there. That's a good example with Claire there. That wasn't out of uh, how to play the harp book. That was clear with a voice with the song and the harp went along with it and helped uh, with the magic. So that's all coming up next uh, Sunday. And then uh, the stuff that I've again missed out um, on the 22nd. And I've kind of missed that. We're going to have preparing for winter folklore, food, foretelling. It's going to go more into sort of November traditions, especially the cattle one that I really would love to get uh, over to you because that's a lovely transition into the December story. And then on the 29th of November, uh, another own ones are very popular here. We're going through the divination story. You know, I did it was too much for one. I split it into five. Divination story, 29th uh, of uh, the November. So let's have a. A quick uh, look at uh, see what else you, you're still commenting here. Thanks again, Sherry. Uh, thanks for bringing a lovely. It's always a lovely group. And Kiss here as well. Fabulous. I'm glad you enjoyed that. And I know that Sherry enjoyed Claire. There you go. Brilliant. <laughs> uh, it's lovely. That was a lovely bit of magic. I'm glad that we managed to uh, uh, get that going. Uh, wonderful. And uh, so, if I can get myself into gear again, I've got so much content I've been sharing with you today, haven't I? Anyway, so, thanks again, B. Smith, Denise Terry, Jerry Donlan, Thomas Carty, 
Claire Roach, what a selection, what a talent we had today. And I would like to ask, please comment, keep commenting here, even if you're watching this after the live, if you're watching the archive, keep the comments going. I do check them out. So enjoy a safe week full of wonder, inspiration, and of course, lots of celebration this week and all your enchantments. So until next Sunday, play well and bye. Thank you again.